How are you guys doing today? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, it's my favorite time of the year. Hey, uh, I don't know if you know this, but this is the week. This Saturday is the Saturday for Bikes for Kids. And uh, we, man, we, yeah, we, uh, we wait. Oh, we, we anticipate this week all year long here at Faith Co. Just curious, just out of curiosity, how many of you have, have been to Bikes for Kids? Okay, how many of you, you've never been to a Bikes for Kids event? Okay, listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> this Saturday at 10 o'clock, be at the Expo Center and make sure, even if you don't have time to serve at the event, I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, uh, uh, get a t-shirt and serve and bring cookies or whatever. If you can't serve, at least show up and look at that. That is an incredible thing that God has given us the ability to do. So don't forget about Bikes for Kids. Second of all, uh, you should have received something in the mail, a Christmas card from us that, that, um, that is promoting Christmas service Sunday on Christmas Day. How many of you got something from the mail from us? I'm just curious. Okay, so the rest of you, we don't care if you show up. <laughs> No, there's a good chance we either don't have your information. That's what the blue card's for to fill out. But make sure you're, you're, you're a part of that. Is it cold in here? I, I'm feeling AC up in here. But, but anyway, uh, uh, make, sure that you are, make sure you're a part of Bikes for Kids. Make sure you come to church on Christmas Day. We've got a big, uh, we've got a big event for you that day. Well, I'm kicking off a brand new series today called The Gift, the idea behind what what the Christmas season is all about, and our answer, our response to what God has done in our life. Let's kick it off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house. Thank you for the gift of your son, the gift of salvation. May we grow in our knowledge and our response to that. In Christ's name, and everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, why haven't you signed up for Bikes for Kids? Some of you, I guess some of you giving excuses or what? What's a lot of conversation. <laughs> I said one thing, man. I didn't mean to start any arguments. I'm really excited about what God is doing at Faith Co. Church. I'm, 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 so, I'm so excited about what the new era that we're about to embark. It seems like every single week and everywhere that I go, that there is somebody that is talking about what's going on. And even people that don't know me or people that were not aware of what, what that Faith Christian Outreach was even out here, there are more people talking about what's going on. And uh, it's, it's a funny thing to me when somebody congratulates me, like, like I did all this. Uh, I'm all about taking the credit. I'm all about that. I'm all about you doing things and me taking credit for it. I'm all about that. But at the same time, I understand that God is working through a, a congregation and a group and a core of people. And God is doing some incredible things. I am, I'm so very excited about this new era. And also, it's, it's given us the ability to minister at a larger capacity. We're about to go to a whole other level in the way that we minister. In fact, since last January, one of the things that we have been conditioning and teaching in our leadership team meetings, whether it be in our staff or our volunteers, is we've been talking to people about leading at the next level. In other words, one of the principles that I have in my notes that we're going to say this Tuesday that we say every Tuesday for the last year is that start leading your ministry like the church is double in size. 
recruit more volunteers, recruit people, and start leading like we're double in size. Because I believe with all my heart, within a few short months, that our church is going to double in size when we do this. You believe that? And it's not because we're trying to have more people. That's not what this is about. It's that we have a larger capacity to be able to do what we're trying to do. When you, when you have more people, and that, that is why a church is supposed to grow, because it, it, it increases your effectiveness. When you have an auditorium that holds almost three times as many people, amen? And, and when you have an auditorium, it gives you the ability when you invite your friends, they're not sitting next to strangers and you're just sitting like this. You know, it, it, it gives you the ability when you have five nurseries, it, 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 you know, the people that come out of the nursery right now, when they come out of there, it's like they put in eight hours of work. They have no more, ladies have no more makeup on after that. You know, just when you, when you have facilities that give you the ability to minister the way that you minister, it's not changing us. The mission's the same. We're the same people. It's just that we're going to get to do what we've been trying to do for the last 15 years. Amen. And, and we're not going to get stuck when we pull into the parking lot. You know, it's not like rodeo parking where you just pay and park out in the grass somewhere. So it just... It's, it's given us the ability to do a, a ministry at the next level, and that's what we're excited about. But over the next few weeks, I wanted to discuss the gift. This is a gift that we have. This is a privilege that we have. But with the privilege, we have a mandate and we have a calling. What, what, what I want to talk about is what God can do through us and with us when we partner our lives and our resources with him and his calling. In 2 Timothy, the first chapter and eighth verse, the Bible says this of God, that he saved us and he called us to, everybody say to, to a holy calling, not because of our works, not because of anything that you can do, not because you're great, not because you're pretty, not because of anything that, that you could have not, no merit on your behalf, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. He called us to his purpose. In other words, he called us to his mission. He saved us and he called us and he planted us and said, okay, now be a part of what I'm doing in the entire world. Therefore, with that in mind, we are a mission-minded church. That doesn't mean that we load up and do mission work every single week across borders. That's not what that means. That means that we are on a mission. Amen? We're not, we're not here as a social group. And I'm happy to see everybody in church, and I have a blast when I'm at church. I love my, the, the, the thing I do the most and the thing that I have the most fun is having fun at other people's expense at church. Isn't it fun to make fun of your friends at church? Yeah, that's, that's just fun. I love seeing the people. I love the interaction. I love what we do on stage. I love all the music. I love all that, but that is not our mission. That's a celebration to prepare us and to equip us. And to bring us together for our mission that we do every single day of our lives. Our calling directs and fuels our mission. What is our mission? In one phrase, in one sentence, our mission is to love God, connect with others, and reach the world. Will you say that with me? Love God, connect with others, and reach the world. One more time. Love God. Uh, connect with others and reach the world. That is the mission of our church. And if you think about what we're doing... The goal of our church and what we do on Sundays is to point people and to connect people 
to God and also to the mission of our church. Think about what we're doing, what we've launched a few months ago with Growth Track. Growth Track is a ministry that we get people connected to other people in the church and to the mission. It's not just about getting people in a class. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get people involved in Sunday school and discipleship. Not like that. Discipleship happens all over this church. What we're trying to do is get people connected to the mission his mission of Faith Christian Outreach. Amen? Our mission compels us. The mission of God compels us to a life of generosity. Therefore, not only are we a mission-minded church, but we are also, we are a generous church. Look at your neighbor and say, you are so generous. We are first, we are generous with our resources. What are our resources? Number one, our resources, number one is our time. Our greatest and most valuable resource is our time. We believe, we believe that we are saved to serve. We believe that saved people serve people. And we have been commissioned and called. Therefore, our response is being committed to service. You believe that? Say amen. We are committed, and we are a serving church. I was talking to Butch this past week, and he said, Travis, we have more volunteers signed up for Bikes for Kids than we have ever had before. Now, I talked to him a little bit earlier, and we need more volunteers, but, but we have more than we have ever. It's because of the event. We're, we, we know that it takes about, there's about 2,000 people that are walking through the Expo Center. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready for those things. But it's incredible that when we get ready to do something at Faithco, I don't care what it is. When we get ready to do a Bikes for Kids, people show up. And we've got to tell you. We've got to remind you. We've got to send you letters. But at the same time, you have a heart to serve. And every time we do anything at Faithco, I don't care if it's watching kids. It doesn't matter if we load up and take people to Shawnee Rescue Mission. Our church is ready and prepared to serve. I've talked to larger churches before, churches that that dwarfed us, churches with twice as many people that said, man, I can't believe you have that many volunteers when you guys get ready to do something. It's because we believe that we're saved to serve, right? We don't just want to show up at church and be happy. Yeah, we do. We want to be happy. But we don't just want to show up just to hear the pastor preach. We don't want to show up to high-five our friends. That's not the only reason. We don't just want to show up to be fed. We don't just attend church. Yeah, we got to put our time in. I feel bad about my life, so I'm going to show up for church on Sunday morning. Okay, I got that taken care of. Now I'm going to go home. No, we are safe to serve. That is the mission that he has given us. Therefore, we are generous with our time. Amen? Second way that we are generous, we are generous with our talents. Ephesians talks about when Jesus, one of the reasons that he died and was resurrected from that, that, that he gave gifts to man. He gave gifts to people through the Holy Spirit. And the beautiful thing about the beautiful thing about the church is that it equips people in their gifting. You know, people have specific gifting. What you have a gifting that I don't have. I have a gifting that you don't have. People have talents, but God made people and gave them beautiful talents to be used for his glory. You believe that? Say yes. You're you're not just beautifully gifted so you can just be on display for yourself. Look at me. I'm a wonderful person. Look at my beautiful gifts. No, God gave you that 
to provide for you. Maybe with your gifting, you provide your income and that is your way of life. But God also gave you a gift that you will use it for his glory. And that is the wonderful thing about a church is that when people come together, they are generous with their gifts, right? Now, it is our responsibility. If you read Ephesians, it talks about the leaders in the church is that it is our responsibility to train and equip people for works in ministry. In other words, we work within the body of Christ. We are on staff or we work for the church and we go after people. We recruit people. We give people opportunities. That's why we make announcements. That's why we tell people, get involved. It's not because, it's not necessarily because there's a shortage on everything. As much as it is, it is our responsibility to get people involved in their gifting in order that they can serve God in their gifting, that the church and the body can be built up and that we can change the world, right? So that is, that is our responsibility. But here's the deal. The wonderful thing about gifting is that we're not, we don't just have sign-ups for things. That's the way, when I, when I was seven, eight years old, grew up in a Pentecostal church, when it came time for uh, singing, the song part of the church would say, okay, everybody that has a song tonight, come on up and you can sing. Now, we don't do that anymore, but that's, I remember doing stuff. Anybody have something they, they want to say? Anybody ever been a part of a testimonial service? Anybody ever been a... Yeah, testimonial services turn into story time. You know what, what also turned into story time? Uh, prayer request time. Anybody ever been a part of prayer request time where nobody had prayer requests, but then you say it's time for prayer requests and somebody says something and everybody started thinking about, oh yeah, I got a prayer request. We're going to pray about this and that turned into story time. All of a sudden that turned into gossip time. <laughs> nobody, okay. You, some of you know what I'm talking about. Well, the thing is, is that's what a church does. It uses people in their gifting. If everybody just did whatever they want to do, it would be, it'd be chaos. If you said, okay, everybody, if everybody that, everybody that has a song, we're going to let you sing next Sunday. How many of you know that mo- a lot of people that can't sing would be up here trying to sing? We don't want that. Right? We want people can sing. We'd, ra- we'd rather have those people sing in the showers. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, this is not a karaoke bar. I'm using that as an example. God, the, the scripture talks about the difference in giftings. That people have, some people have the gift of administration. Some people have the gift of leadership. Some people have a gifted skill that they can build things and put things together with their hands. Some people have, uh, some people have giftings with guitars and music and singing and media. There's all types of areas for people to use their gifting. Some people have a gift to be able to teach children and to be patient with kids. I don't know what your gift is, but what if people in the church were not generous with their gift? What if people say, what if people say, well, Travis, I want to be a part of Faith Co. and I want to be on the team and I want to play the guitar, but I'm not going to do it unless you pay me. What if our, what if our singers or what if, what if, what if we, we had Butch up here? Oh, that's not a, that's not a good example. We had, um, the girl, Jewel. We had Jewel up here. I drew a blank there. We had Jewel up, the only girl, wasn't uh, We had, we had Jewel up here. What if she said, ah, you know, I make $300 a gig. I'm not going to, you know, if you guys want to pay me $300, that wouldn't be the same as serving God. And I got, I got nothing against paying people for what they're worth or whatever. And we got people working on the church that we're paying. That's, I'm not against that. But, but there is a generous side. Amen? 
And there's a, what if people in kids' ministry said, had all this gifting, had this ability, had this leadership, this ministration could teach the kids, and man, they could just knock it out of the park. And we got some people that can knock it out of the park as far as organizing kids. They came up to you and were like, hey, you know, I, uh, uh, Pastor, I think that you're going to have to start paying me, a, you know, a couple of Benjamins in order for me to work with kids' ministry. No, 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 no. We are generous with our talents. Amen? In the same way that we're generous with our time, we're generous with our talents. Number three, we're generous with our treasure or we're generous with our money. You know, some people have more time than talent. Some people have more time to serve. Some people have more talent than they have money. Some people have more time than they have money. And some people have more money than displayed talent. That doesn't mean that people with money don't have talent. But there are some people that don't have the ability to get up and sing. There are some people that don't have the ability to get and play an instrument. There are some people that don't have the time because of what God is doing in their life through their ability to make money. Some people have the capacity to do some incredible things as far as kingdom purpose financially. There are people that, that have talked to me before and said, Pastor, I, don't have, I, I really don't have the time to be there the way I want to. I don't have time and I don't have the, the talent to get up there and play the guitar like you do. I don't have the, the ability to get up and speak. I don't have time to do that, but I'll tell you what I do. When you get ready for Bikes for Kids, when you get ready to do something... As far as building faith, I, I write a check. Can you, can you use that? You know what I say? If you got the money, I got the time. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm kidding, of course. But what I'm saying is we all have something to contribute. And one is not more important as long as we're using it for the glory of God, as long as we are generous with whatever resources we have. Amen? Generosity is a response. It is a response. It is an answer to our Lord's calling, to our Lord's great commission, and it is a response to the Lord's commitment to us. We are generous people. We are a generous body. Let me talk to you about the response of generosity. First of all, generosity, our heart to serve, does not come from a place of guilt. When we receive offerings every weekend, when we talk about building faith, we talk about giving the bikes for kids, We do not want anybody to feel obligated. In fact, we don't want you to give if you feel obligated. The scripture talks about not giving out of guilt, not giving out of obligation. If anybody ever wants you to give and uses those things, that is not integrity. That is not of God. God would never ask you to give or want you to be a part of something out of obligation. That would be your kids. Your kids do that to you, right? They want you to give out of obligation and guilt. But generosity is a response, number one. Two things, generosity is our response. First of all, it is generosity is our response to our loving Father, our God. You know what's wonderful and incredible about our God that we serve, the God that the Bible talks about, is that our God desires relationship with us. And in fact, we speak to him. When we talk to him and when we pray, Jesus said, when you pray to God, He doesn't say, our God in heaven. What does he say? Our our Father in heaven. That is the relationship that we have with our God. That he is our heavenly Father. In John, the third chapter, John 3 and 16, you know all this, you know this verse by heart. However, I want you to see it as a different light. It says, for God so, what? God so loved the world that he Gave. gave. 
God so loved that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his only son. It was his most valuable possession. The the thing that he loved the, the, the most. He loved you and he loved me and he loved this world. And he desired to save this world so much. He so loved that he gave his very, very best. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have receive eternal life to experience true life to experience an eternity with god god had to intervene in order for us because of our separation because of our sin and our rejection of god in order for us to in order for us to experience relationship with him and because he so desired to have relationship with us even after we had turned our backs on him He says, I'm going to intervene because of my love and I'm going to give my very best so we can be in fellowship. So you can be my son. You can be my daughter. In 1 John 4, 9, it says, we love because he first loved. In other words, the initial love came from God. Yes, we have a response to it, but the initial love came from him. And generosity is our natural response to feeling loved by God. Generosity is not our response to feeling guilt or obligation. Generosity is our response to feeling this love from our Heavenly Father. It's been said before that you, that you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Why? Because giving is the natural response. Giving is proof of love. Think about that for a second. What if, what if somebody, what if, what if your spouse told you that he loved you or she said she loved you but never gave you what you needed, never bought you anything, never gave you what you asked for, never, love gives because it is a response or Generosity is response to love. I love God for one reason. I love God because it is my response to his love for him. I serve God for one reason, because he loved me. I love him because he first loved me. 1 John 4 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. That, uh, not that we love God, but the love that he's talking about in this verse, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. It talks about the type of love that he showed, the type of, the type of gift, as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Think about that. The God of the universe The God of the universe expresses his love. He shows us his love. He didn't just say, I love you, but he showed his love by sending his most precious gift. And this generous gift was a sacrificial gift. In other words, when a gift is sacrificial, it hurts. That's why why when when somebody gives you something, if if they had to give a little bit more money for it, it hurts. That's why it kind of speaks of, I don't want to get into the Christmas gifts, what you buy for each other, you know, but if it's like, you know, kind of cheap, that wasn't much of a sacrifice. And when somebody sacrifices, whether it be an act of service, if it is a sacrificial gift, it speaks of the extent of the love. Therefore, we experience salvation from sin. We experience 
salvation from eternal death, and we experience eternal life because of a generous, of a generous God. In 2 Timothy 1 and 8, it says, He saved us and called us to go back to the first verse that we started with. He saved us and He called us to a holy calling, not because of anything that we had done, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace. Now listen, that was given to us in who? He gives us these gifts. He gives us callings. He gives us grace. He gives us uh, forgiveness of sin. He gives us all of these things. He gives us eternal life in Christ Jesus. And he did this before time began. Listen to me. Our calling, our purpose, God's grace was given to us as a sacrificial gift from our God. God illustrates true love. Therefore, we have a generous spirit in us because it is first initiated and expressed by our Father in the act of giving his, in giving his Son. You believe that? Say amen. amen. So number one, generosity is the response to what God has done for us. Number two, generosity is our response for receiving Christ or encountering Jesus. Look at Luke, the 19th chapter and the first verse. Luke 19 and 1. This is the story of Zacchaeus. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was, and we're going to break this down and talk about who Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus. He says, he was a chief tax collector. He was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short. So he ran and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him or to see Jesus, and he was about to pass that way. Jesus was about to walk under where this tree was. Now, let's talk about who Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus was. Well, we first know that he was a chief tax collector. Now, what did that mean? If you were a chief tax collector, you were an Israelite, you were a Jew, and you were living in Rome, and you worked for the Roman government. You collected tax for the Roman government. The, the Roman government had them, you know, was, uh, they weren't enslaved, but they were in control of their government. They'd come in and taken over these people. So they received tax from them, and as a bonus for receiving tax and collecting those tax, you could charge a premium that was pretty much open-ended. You could charge whatever you wanted to charge. So Jewish people would look at tax collectors and think that they were the scum of the earth because not only were they working for the government, but if you work for the government, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. They were working for this government that was oppressing them, and on top of that, they were collecting taxes for the government. And number three, they were charging a premium. So not only were you getting money for the government, you were ripping us off, and you could charge pretty much whatever you could above that. So no matter what you were in life, Think about you being the, the worst person, the worst Jewish person ever. And when you lay down at night, you go to bed and think, at least I'm not a tax collector. Remember in the scripture, they said, you know, scribes and tax collectors were always put in this one category. Well, the Bible says he was a chief tax collector. In other words, he was a tax collector of tax collectors. He was the main one. The other tax collectors reported to him. So people could not stand him. The second thing that we see because of he was a tax collector is he was very rich. So he has all this wealth. Nobody really likes him. He probably has ha developed this attitude that he doesn't care what his neighbors think. He doesn't care. He probably got gates around his house because people are throwing stuff at him or whatever. He just, 
he's probably a little bit isolated, but at the same time, it has afforded him his way of life. That's the second thing that we see about him. He's a chief tax collector. He's rich. For some reason, they put in he was short, which explains why he would climb up into a tree. Jesus approaches him, looks up at him in a tree and says this. Fifth verse says, and when Jesus came to a place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and come down. I must stay with you in your house today. He hurried, came down, and listen to this. It says, and received him joyfully. When they saw it, who? The Pharisees, the crowd, uh, the congregation, whatever. It says, when they said that, they said this, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to his house since he also is the son of Abraham. In other words, just because he lives this lifestyle or whatever, he is still the son of Abraham. God is going to save him too. For the son of man has came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. The worst people in the world. The people that think they got it together, whatever. You know, I find it interesting that Zacchaeus, he met Jesus, and when he received him, the Bible says he believed him. His first response was generosity. That's the first thing that we see. And here's the deal. Jesus, number one, as we break this down, we see that the first thing that we see here is that Jesus was interested in Zacchaeus. He didn't care about his money. He cared cared about Zacchaeus. He didn't care about these resources. He didn't care anything about that. He saw this man that needed to be saved. It wasn't about anything. All he asked for him, he didn't ask for his money. He didn't ask for him to give anything away. He didn't ask for an offering. He didn't ask for anything. He just said, hey, I'm going to be with you. In other words, I just want to spend time with you, Zacchaeus. I just, tonight I'm going to hang out with you. That's all he wants. The redemptive story is just about you. What God wants from you, he doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your resources. He just wants you. But the thing is, is when we encounter God, and when we encounter the love of Christ, there should be some kind of an answer to that. Amen? 1 Timothy 2 and 6 says, He gave himself, Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Jesus gave himself as a ransom. I want you to think about that for a second. Jesus knew where his life was taking him. And he walked around every every day that he woke up. And every time he walked into a city, Jesus knew where his life was going to take him. He knew that it would eventually take him to a cross. So knowing that, knowing that his time was short, knowing every time that he met someone, he used it and seized it as an opportunity to win somebody to his father. So knowing that, knowing that about Jesus, consider that if you walked up to Jesus and you looked at him, I guarantee you, you saw your future in his eyes. Because the fierceness and his, and his intention about leading people to God probably shone through because he was God in the flesh. He looks up. Think about it. He looks up at Zacchaeus and says, hey, I'm hanging out with you tonight. We're going we're gonna to hang at your place. Think about that for a second. Why? Because it was just about him. It wasn't about anything else. He just wants you. The second thing 
We see it in the story that generosity is a response to being forgiven. It's a response to being forgiven. His generosity was his response to being forgiven for the things that he had done. A lot of people think that there's no way that they can be forgiven for what they had done. I explained to you what it was to be a tax collector. I bet because of what he had done, because of the fact that he had cheated people, because maybe if somebody got smart with him, maybe if somebody, he didn't like somebody, just having to deal with him, he probably added another 10%. Well, if you want to give me an attitude, be another 10%. Isn't that what you do? Of course you don't do that. That's people that go to other churches. Those people do He had cheated people, he had lied, he had done things that he shouldn't have done before, that he should not have done. And as a response, Jesus did not address those things. Jesus just spent time, he didn't condemn him. All the people that were throwing stones, all the people that hated him, all the people that hated Zacchaeus and, and, and it said, I can't believe Jesus would spend any time with that. You know what? Zacchaeus was probably thinking, I can't believe he wants to spend time with me. And on top of that, he's just not spending time with me. He just doesn't want to know me. He, he forgave me. All the, everybody else condemned me, but he forgave me for these things. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to do something about it. He said, I'm going to give away stuff. Listen to this. The third thing. Generosity is not a response to being forgiven or encountering Christ. The, the greatest generosity comes with the greatest pardon. The, the greater the pardon, the greater the response, or the greater the generosity. Listen to what he says. He says, I'm going to give half of my wealth away. I'm going to give half of it away. Jesus didn't ask for that. And he says, four times return on people that I have cheated. Not only am I going to give every half of my goods away to the poor, but if I've cheated anybody in any way, I'm going to repay them four times. That sounds excessive, doesn't it? That's, that's, that sounds excessive. Does it sound excessive? Yes, it does. It usually is excessive in a world dominated by greed. It sounds excessive to us because we think about ourselves. I mean, I think, man, that's a lot of stuff to give away. Give away half my stuff? I don't know about that. I'm l- looking at my winter shirts thinking, you know, trying to give stuff away, thinking I think I'll keep that for one more year. Half of the things? That sounds excessive. However, it seems to be protocol when people who have been forgiven by Christ, it seems to be protocol in the scripture. In fact, excessive sin, when it meets excessive love and forgiveness, the response is excessive generosity. We find that another place in the Bible, the woman who washed the feet of Jesus. The Bible says, and we don't know how the encounter took place, but this woman encounters Jesus, and he forgives her for her sin. Uh, Many scholars believe that she was a prostitute. And Jesus, showing no condemnation or guilt towards her, forgives her because later on in this conversation, she rushes into a house where people were standing around Pharisees and and well-to-do people. She rushes in, and she kneels down, and she washes the feet of Jesus. And she takes this alabaster box which would be like a, a glass or a clay type of pitcher with a lid on it that the only way that you can open it is to break it open. And she pours out this perfume or ointment that is worth a year's worth of income. 
And, and the Bible says the smell of this filled the entire house. It was so strong. So it gets the, the attention of everybody in the room. And then everybody's saying, what in the world is, what is that? What is going, who is she? Why in the world, why this could be sold and given to the poor? And Jesus says, leave this woman alone. She loves much because she has been forgiven for much. A natural response of being forgiven for much is much love and much generosity. She doesn't just love. She shows her generosity by what she gives. She takes this and Jesus says, but people who have been forgiven for little love little. So when it comes to excessive sin, when excessive sin meets excessive love there is, and there is forgiveness, there is an excessive response of generosity. You see, I should have not have received forgiveness I know that I'm a pastor, but I can tell you right now that, that, that God has had to do a work in my life. And I probably, I, I know that I should not have received forgiveness. I should have received condemnation. I should have been condemned. I should have gotten what I deserved. I don't deserve the kind of love that the Heavenly Father has bestowed on me. I don't deserve the love of Christ who gave his life to save me. I don't deserve that at all. And people will tell me from time to time, Travis, your life is a, a little bit out of balance. You spend too much time at the church or trying to build a church or maybe you spend too much on the church or you give too much. I've had people tell me that before. Maybe it might seem a little excessive, but I have received an excess of amount of forgiveness and I've received an excessive amount of love from my heavenly father that is completely undeserved. So not only will I stop, you can't stop my generosity to my Lord. Amen. It is my response to a father that reached out to me before time began and provided a way and sent his son into this world to be condemned and to die. It is my response to my Lord Jesus who said, I will die for you. You deserve it, but I will die and I will give my life as a ransom for anybody who might. For all of the people that are going to give their life to Christ, I'm going to give my life. For all the people that are going to reject me, they still have the opportunity. Amen? That is my generosity is a response to the love of God. Amen? What is your response? It's not about the mission. Generosity is not about the mission of faith. We are a mission-minded church. It's, it's a response to a heavenly father who loves us. It is a response to a Lord Jesus that died to save us. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us today. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of love, for the gift of your son. You have given this gift so freely at the opportunity that we could have the opportunity to give our lives to you. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, that does not serve you, may we come to a place where we surrender our lives to you. In view of such love, in view of such forgiveness, may we respond with generosity. May we respond by giving ourselves to you. That's what you want. You want us. It's, all, it's always just been about us. So Lord, speak to us today wherever we are. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed, and as you pray, maybe God is speaking to you today. Maybe you're seated here and you can say, Travis, this is an area that I need to grow in. I need to grow in the area of generosity. There are a lot of reasons why we aren't generous. There are issues that we all struggle with. 
as far as greed. There are things that we struggle with, fear. That's sometimes why we're not generous. A lot of times the reason we struggle with generosity is time. Whatever the, whatever the issue may be, maybe you're seated here and God is speaking to you about that. I believe that today we've been confronted with our response to what God has done. And whatever that looks like for you, maybe God is dealing with you about giving your time. Maybe God is dealing with you about giving your talent, being generous with your talent. Maybe God is dealing with you about your treasure, your finances, whatever that is. God is speaking to you today. What is your response? Take that to God right now as I pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that is here, and I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Sometimes we forget the gift that has been given to us in you. Sometimes we take it for granted. But today, we have been confronted by your Holy Spirit, reminded of the gift that was given to us. I pray that we respond in any area of our lives, that you may be speaking to us today and challenging us, whatever that looks like. There are people here that need to be more generous with their time. There are people here that need to be more generous with their talent. There are people here that need to be more generous with their treasure. Lord, I pray that you will speak to all of us, challenge us, and may we change according to your plan that we may grow and answer and respond to what you've done for us. In Christ's name, if you believe that, say amen.